The Providence College Friars. Top for the crossover. The Big East. The rest of the college hoops world. Setting the screen. Dunn twisting his way in. This is the Providence Crier Podcast. With your host, a PC grad standing in at four feet tall. He is the Providence Crier himself, Mike Surratt. Welcome everybody to another episode of the Providence Crier Read our blog, theprovincecrier.com. Join with me as always. We have BOC. Follow him at BOC all day. Today is Wednesday, November 30th. And uh, BOC, a, a big test for the Friars coming up. Their first true road game at TCU. Um, 8 p.m. tip. You can catch it on ESPN+. Plus. We'll get into that part later. <laughs> but uh, so, so that's obviously a big game. And we'll, we'll spend most of the episode covering that. But first, let's just hit on PC's last two games. Uh, two more cupcakes at home, if you will. Although Providence didn't really play like they were cupcakes. Uh, beating both Merrimack and Columbia by 14. Um, they beat Merrimack 71-57. And then beat Columbia on Saturday, uh, 78-64. Um, you know, we talked about this team being able to try and benefit from games like this where they can kind of figure each other out. But, you know, I, 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 I feel like you can't be too excited BOC after uh, what went down at Mohegan and then the next two games. No, the, the team's probably taken longer than expected to, I mean, it's tough to say to gel together. Um, I think TCU is going to be telling in both a positive and negative way of which way this team needs to head. Cause if they come out and they get a surprise win against TCU, it's going to be like, okay, the changes that Cooley made post Mohegan are working, but if they fall flat on their face and they get the, their doors blown off, which is a possibility, Cooley may say, okay, we need to just rip the bandaid off and just try something new before we head into big East play. Um, but yeah, going back to your, the two wins against Merrimack and Columbia, they, they're, there were wins and there was never really in doubt, but you didn't walk away from those games feeling good about the team. If anything, you're like, okay, thank God they were cupcakes because if they were high level competition at a conference, we probably would have lost both of those games. Um, so like, you know, seven games in still wait and see mode and you don't really know what this team has. Uh, so another litmus test against TCU. Yeah. So, I mean, um, against Merrimack, it was, it was the, the day before Thanksgiving, um, so I can understand like tough game to get up for um, if you're the Friars. But you know, one of their warts that they've shown all year: three point defense. They give up ten three pointers to Merrimack in this one, uh, allowing 
the Warriors to shoot 10 of 23 made them look like the Golden State Warriors, not the Merrimack Warriors. Like, what is going on? And then, you know, you flip to the Columbia game a few days later, and this, like, this was a 20 to 20 game with five minutes left in the first half. In Columbia's next game, they played Maris like, like yesterday or two days ago. They scored 10 points at halftime. So, like, what is going on with the defense here? Like, it's an issue. And honestly, I'm starting to think it's, like, might be the offense struggles that are leading to defensive struggles, you know? Well, dude, think about, like, in football when you make a QB change and then, like, that spark with the change just causes every other part of the team to play better or play, you know, with more tempo and more energy. I think that's what we're facing now because the offense – candidly sucks so much that like it takes the energy out of defense because you're like in the back of your head you're like oh no matter how many stops I make I have to I have to be amazing on defense because our offense just isn't performing so it's it's a slog man like nobody's showing up consistently really like you can trust Devin Carter to have all the hustle plays but beyond that like you don't know what you're going to get game in, game out, even from somebody like a Bynum who was supposed to be, you know, all-conference point guard. You just don't know what you're getting from any of the players, and it's really frustrating, and it's just tough to watch. Yeah. Um, you know, you talk about providing a spark. I think in the Columbia game, um, we can point to two guys that really gave Providence the drill they needed to kind of get get back on track in this game and kind of – turn it into a game where, where it was pretty comfortable throughout towards the end of the game. But, um, and that would be Jaden Pierre, the freshman comes off the bench, goes five of eight from the floor, three of three from deep 13 points, 12, or excuse me, 13 points, two assists, no turnovers. He, he was awesome. And then, you know, I got to give my hand up. I, I know, know our followers, um, you know, some people in the Twitter group saw me, with with Breed saying he shouldn't be playing anymore. Hey, he showed you something that game. Um, it was really just a quick burst. He had nine points, uh, three rebounds, two assists. He shot four of six from the floor. But it was that, that sequence where he had like three straight plays where he just felt more decisive on offense and knowing what he wanted to do. Um, up fake and then take it to the hole. Um, we haven't seen that Alan Breed in quite some time. We haven't, so we haven't seen him. We haven't I'll seen gladly it. crow uh, for for being wrong if he can turn this around. But like that's like where's that Alan Breed been? It hasn't been here since freshman year. That's what I'm saying. We have. I mean, we saw it last year, but the shots just weren't dropping. Right? Like the aggressiveness was there, and it slowly faded away last year because he wasn't. The shots weren't dropping. But the freshman year, like again. I love Breed. Everybody knows that who follows us. But I remember it's because he was the only like calming presence with a team that had Nate Watson, with a team that had David Duke Jr., with a team that had Reeves. Um, he was the only one that like was a calming presence on the court as a true freshman. And I think it's like one thing where he came in with no recruiting expectations. So you're like pleasantly surprised when he gives you anything. Um, but I do think like you you know what you're going to get. Maybe the, the ceiling's not too high, but the floor I think is real I think there's a really good floor there and that's why I want to see him like get more minutes because you're going to get good defensive efforts you're not going to he had a bad turnover um 
game prior against Merrimack, I believe. But uh, you're really not going to have a lot of self-inflicted put wounds there. Um, so I want to see him get some more minutes, him and Pierre. I think Pierre should be either starting or getting close to starter minutes. And both of those guys eating up a little bit of Locke's time and minutes because I'm not seeing a lot from Locke right now. Yeah, I mean, clearly uh, Locke and Bynum just haven't been efficient so far uh, this year. And, you know, I told you going into this year that I really like the prospects of that backcourt. Um, talking about a guy in Bynum that has a good first step and get to the hoop, score around the basket, you know, was awesome from three last year. And you got a guy in, in, in Locke that's been career, a really good shooter from deep. You know, Locke's three-point numbers aren't terrible, but he's taking a ton of shots. Yeah. And he's shooting like 34% from three. And Bynum, you know, it's just his three-pointers, man. Like, well, he come he comes in as a like pretty good shooter his freshman year at at, at St. Joe's, right? And then, you know, the, his first year with Providence after sitting out, it was horrendous from three. And then, you know, last year he he was a monster. So like, really up and down with him uh, in terms of his threes. But to me, it's you just got to get that off that that backcourt working together and they got to start hitting shots and they got to be taking better shots or maybe less shots. But, um, but to me, I wouldn't give up so quick on that yet. I do agree with you. I, I personally think Pierre should have a Bynum like role from last year. Yes. Right? Yeah. I, I completely Off agree the with bench, that. He gives you a different look compared to those other two guys. Um, and, you know, with his length, athleticism. Um, so, so that's what I would do. But and see, that that's the whole conundrum, though, because then you got, like, Breed and Floyd, and it's like, how much of a rotation do you want? Like, that's the issue. I think, so my, my thing with Locke, and people are probably going to say, like, oh, you have such a tight leash with him, and I do. The reason for that, and I was very similar to Reeves last year, where they're, quote-unquote, really good at one thing, right? Shooting. Locke, when he's not on, isn't adding anything else to the court. Like, if you look at his stat, like, I think Mary Mackey actually had a few boards, which is good. Um, but, like, he's not adding anything else. And if he's not doing that, what value is he adding? I think at least he's potentially a better shooter than Breed. Uh, I don't think anybody's arguing that. But Breed, at least you know you're going to get really good defense um, and having another ball handler. And Pierre just adds a whole other spark to another dimension to the offense. Um and it helps open things up on uh, open things up in the floor. So I just I say you have a tight leash with Locke because I don't know what else he's going to add if his shot's not dropping. Was that Dixie? You said tight leash. Yeah, Dick, yeah, Dixie is Dixie's not a fan either. <laughs> apparently. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I I just think we've got to kind of give it a little more time. I, I know that's kind of frustrating to say, but. You know, just with just with the newness of the team, and, and I mean, I get it. Last year, they came in gangbusters, uh, winning nine of their first ten games or whatever it was. Um, and you know, I think this year you kind of expect that to just happen again. Um, and I know we warned about that not happening again. And then as as the season draw drew nearer, I was kind of under the impression I think these guys will figure it out pretty quick. Turns out that's not really the case. Um, but yet, 
it's just a tricky situation that that, that cooling companies got to deal with with the backcourt and figuring out what's a perfect blend of minutes for those guys. But like um, with Bynum, with Bynum, you have to give him a long leash because as bad as he has been shooting, he's actually been pretty incredible with the assist to turnovers. Like he's actually been a good yep. guard. Um, so you live with the poor shooting because it's not as if it's like, like at times we've heard Cooley say like, oh, this player is like doing amazing in the off season, but you've never seen it in person. Like we've seen Bynum go off. Like we've seen him be the best player in the Big East for a period of time. We've seen him be a capable all Big East guard. And we, I think most fans all think it's going to revert back to the mean and maybe he's not going to be on that scorching tear that he was last year. But I think everybody expects him to be a 15 point per game at an efficient 15 point per game six assist type player. And I think it's just a matter of time. So you need to let him work himself out of that funk. Yeah. Um, you know, also one thing I pointed out in our prior text group that we got, um, Bynum actually is averaging more points through six games this year than he did last year. Uh, and yes, he caught fire towards the end. And I, I think maybe the expectation was that he would just come in and, and you know, continue that toward pace, but maybe he's kind of a guy that's feeling his way a little bit. And, um, you know, it's only a matter of time before he he reaches that part, uh, that skill set that he was at last year. So, yeah, I mean, we've said this for a couple of weeks now. Oh, we're not worried. Oh, we're not worried. I think eventually we'll start to have to be worried, but yeah, I agree with you at this point, you know, you kind of just let it play out here. Uh, yeah, I mean, would you have loved to see him come out as the leader and, you know, be hot from the start? Absolutely. I think the bigger concern isn't necessarily his play. It's uh, to me, like, I'm like, I always look at body language just because I think it is telling with a player like his body language is shit right now. Um, he's kind of like mopey on the court. He doesn't look very excited to be out there. And like, he is supposed to be the leader of the team. And when he's acting that way and like, Hopkins, I think it's just his demeanor too. He's kind of like a go with the flow, never too high or too low emotionally from what I can tell. But like when you have two players like that who are supposed to be the leaders, like there's not a lot of energy on the court and you'd want to see more players who are like eager to win and eager to play. They're smiling. They're happy. Even Croswell, who was like the emotional spark plug last year, he even seemed like a little bit like down in the dumps and frustrated and complaining about foul calls and all that stuff. Um, so I just want to see them, you know, Go have fun playing ball. It's it's a privilege to play ball at, in the Big East and at Providence, and they just seem like it's like too business like. And I don't know if that's a Cooley thing because we've complained about that in the past with like the David Duke teams and even like Diallo's teams to a certain extent where there was no joy in playing. Last year maybe it was an anomaly, and we just got really lucky. But they need to change that aspect. That's that's actually the more worrying thing for me in my you know in my opinion rather than like the play. Yeah, I mean, to me, it's defense, to be honest. But just, like, the rebounding woes in the three-point defense. Like, and, and I think they can fix the three-point defense, but, man, like, they just got – they can't be giving up this many threes, especially to teams like Merrimack. Um, all right, mm-hmm. let's shift gears because, you know, if you're talking about energy and, and, and all that, maybe a true road game can change that. Providence will go on the road for the first time this year – True road test at TCU Wednesday night, 8 p.m. The game's on ESPN Plus, like I alluded to earlier. And I just got to say, 
that is a crime against humanity. That's terrible. Yeah, so what do they, I mean, we all love the Friars, but do they expect like a ton of subscribers for TCU and Providence to sign up for ESPN Plus? I, I mean, subscribers? I know. No, I, I mean, I didn't know. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, here's ESPN's problem is they get in bed with so many of these leagues. And like, yeah, we'll air your games. And then you got a game like this, which, I mean, let me take a quick gander at, uh, I mean, sure, th- there are some good games. It's like, obviously, you're not going to put it on ESPN over the Ohio State Duke game. Like, I get that. And I guess ESPN 2 is riding with uh, Purdue against a horrendous 1-7 Florida State team. So, I mean, maybe that game. Like, like the, the, the I don't, they, I don't think, they, games expect, I don't think they expected Florida State to be whatever they were. One in, you say they're playing Florida State? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They probably didn't make them. 1-7, <laughs> <laughs> oh my. Um, but, like, why isn't there anything on ESPN U? Isn't that what you, ESPN U is for? Uh, like, yeah. Last I checked, last, uh, I, checked, like, last so I checked, the U stands for university, but yeah. Luckily for me, I'll just, I think I'm able to get ESPN Plus through YouTube TV. That's what I got rocking these days, which or, I, I don't like to be in with. There's delay, and I hate that. Or you just do, uh, I saw a tweet that Friar TV is just being a godsend and is, and is streaming it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I saw that too. Um, yeah, Friar TV, I think, is like gone. Though. He hasn't okay. tweeted in like years. Uh, apparently, Anyways. apparently it's apparently it's back for this game. I don't know. Speaking of streaming and stuff, just a quick aside: the the Columbia game, the St. John's Ryder game, had four minutes left as problems oh was tipping off. So I signed up for the app on my phone, and I'm streaming the game, and I must have allowed notifications. So now, like, I get these notifications from Fox Sports, and it's like da 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 Got to turn it off. I got to figure out how to turn it off. That's a that's a good but, that's a good that's a good noise though to have as an alert like that. That's just nostalgia, nostalgia in a phone right there. Yeah, exactly. But um, all right. So so let's get to this game. Obviously, a massive game. Province's first true road test. Really, Province's last big opportunity to secure a good win uh, prior to non-conference ending here. Um, TCU team is off to a weird start. They're five and one. They just won the Emerald Coast Classic or whatever that was. By the way, I wish we were in that tournament compared to ours. They drew Cal and then they beat Iowa in the final. Like, well, it, we still would have found a way to go 0 2, though. Thanksgiving, I'm, I'm, I'm done with Thanksgiving tournaments. But it's so weird because, like, they're either disasters or they're great. Yeah. There's no and, like, the Mohegan one, like, we've talked about it. They, they've just, like, you know, gotten worse and worse every single one. Champion runner up to Owen too. Um, but yeah, I don't know. But anyways, if you remember opening night, TCU was on upset alert against Arkansas Pine, Pine Bluff. They squeak out a win in that one, 73-72. They followed up by only being Lamar by 11 points at home. And then they followed that up by losing a Northwestern State, um, which I believe is the same team that beat Iowa a long time ago. Or early, I think it was a 15 over two. Mm. When those were actually rare, uh, yeah. Now they just now they there. just happen all the time, yeah. Yeah, um, but they lose to them sixty four sixty three, and then you know they go on to beat UL Monroe by thirty five points, and then you know they win this tournament, the Emerald Coast tournament. Um, so they're five and one. 
Mike Miles, we saw him two years ago. He was a freshman. Him and Duke, it was like the star started guard matchup in that one. Uh, Miles had 20 points in that game. He did turn the ball over six times. Um, you know, he's not your best. It's kind of funny. You would expect a guard, a scoring guard like him that's averaging 20 points to be able to light it up from three. He's only shooting like 27% from three this year. Yeah. It's more of a slashing guard. Um, but he's going to be on top of scouting report, no doubt. So a couple things with them. Like you talk about the three-point defense being horrendous. Um, this is the perfect matchup then to remedy that because TCU's team three-point field goal percentage is atrocious. Um, so maybe we can get right there. This is like one of those few games where you say like, hey, maybe just pack the pan in and dare them to beat you from deep. And if they can do it, God bless them. I don't think they can. Um, oh, my God. Yeah, they're giving the Friars a run for twenty five percent. Yeah, we're at and we're like actually not that bad. I think we're at thirty five percent. We have we'll have an article. I, I put a table together like a comparative analysis between the two teams. They're actually pretty identical year to date. The difference being the three point field goal percentage um, is drastically different. So I think maybe we pack the pain in. Um, the other thing that like the casual fan won't realize is they're. They have a starting guard who is out for a stupid, stupid reason. I think he like played in a summer league. I forget what the exact reason was, but NCA being the NCA, uh, banned or suspended this guy, Damien Ball. I think that's how you pronounce his name. Yeah. Um, and he's back for this game and he, he's a starter on there. He's a, he's a true starter. Um, and he, this is his first game back. So he's going to be a problem against us. Last year, he led them in assists and steals, and he averaged last year 11, 11 points, five rebounds, five assists. Um, he's going to be a freaking handful, and you know he's going to be ready to go first game back. Um, they have the big boy in the middle, Eddie Lampkin Jr., who's – they list him as 6'11", 260. I think that's generous. I think he might be like 40 pounds more than that. I think he might be – tipping the scale to three bills. God bless him. Um, that's going to be awesome with Croswell and him going at each other. But, like, the, it, if you look at the, their season to date, it's like a very fluky, like, hey, you know, they've beaten some teams, some crap teams only by a little bit because they were missing. I think even Miles was out for a little bit, uh, a few games. Um, so we're getting them at full strength, I believe. So we're going to have our hands freaking full. The spread is, as of I just checked it a moment ago, is minus seven TCU. And normally you get three points being at home. So they would say on a neutral court, they'd beat us by four, which even I think that's a little bit uh, generous for the Friars. So, yeah, no, I mean, no doubt it's going to be a tough game. Um, of course, like, you know, everyone wants to talk about problems being lucky last year. Guys missing games. Now guys are coming back this year. So what does that say? I don't know. Um, but yeah, you know, getting him back will certainly be a boost for TCU. You know, they play a pretty deep rotation as is. They were playing like nine to 10 guys, uh, prior to Bob with Bob being out the first six games of the season. So, um, be interesting to see how Jamie Dixon works with that. Um, you know, Providence has, has had success in the state of Texas, if you will, uh, these past few years, um, uh, whether it be, Beating TCU, we've beaten TCU twice in the last like four years, right? At TCU, yeah, we kind of we kind of own them. Yeah, and then you know, but also it's like home. it's also fitting that like a Jamie Dixon team can't shoot for shit from deep. Like that's all I remember with those pit teams is like the freaks that like just beat you up 
but like I don't necessarily remember them like being aesthetically pleasing watching like they they just used to like grind you to death and like TCU actually is pretty similar yeah that that, that pit team was loaded though oh man remember the one Blair fields oh dude the one Blair Lance Fields uh oh man this is fun remember Sam Young the freak athlete who looked like he was like 45 in college and then uh, I believe Brad Wanamaker was a freshman on that team the the team that province beat when they were number one in the land um didn't they have one of the the Gibbs brothers too yes I believe they did the Gibbs have the Gibbs have owned my life for the better part of my (laughs) high school career and high school college I don't think any of them made professionals but high school and college for sure those Jersey basketball players, man. Dean Hall, you uh, just own own us. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, I mean, it's gonna be a really tough matchup um, with Lampkin. They don't have that that big, that, that huge dude they had last year. Um, blanking on his name, but um, really, Lampkin's it, and then Emmanuel Miller is is a forward that, that helps out down low for them, but. Um, they're not super deep there. Pretty guard heavy team. And that makes me a little nervous when, you know, the the one guard heavy team that we played this year, Miami was able to kind of outscore us and, and pretty much just win. I wouldn't say it was a track meet, but you know, you think, we had a trouble defending their guards. Let's just put it that way. You think do you think like given their shooting woes, do you think we just go to a zone, pack it in, go to a two three zone? I know that's not like Cooley's forte, but like I would. Cause, and there's a reason why the reason why I ask that is because and we it's in the article that's going to be out. They Miami and St. Louis ran a lot of pick and roll defense to isolate Bynum on the defensive end because he's like granted he could be as feisty as he wants to get a quick hands, but like being five nine five ten is being five nine five ten, especially when you're guarding somebody who's six two six three, and he got exposed a bit. Um, so if I had a big a team with big guards, I would be doing the same exact thing. So I'm wondering if we go to a zone or if we just say, hey, fight through every single pick. Yeah. Um, and, and not switch. It, it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, I think typically Cooley would probably like to save it for Biggie's play. You know, it, just throw it out then. Um, but, yeah, I mean, clearly they need to do something to get the defense right. So uh, I, I'm all I'm, – yeah, I'm all about it. Let's do it. Why not? <laughs> But yeah, you know, I, yeah, I, I don't know how you can feel too too good. But what I will say is the fact that it's the first road game. Maybe these guys can find something on the road. You know, away from the amp, away from uh, uh, fryer filled Mohegan Sun. You know, maybe they yeah. can find something there. They've been road yeah. warriors before. Yeah, I um, anybody who compl- like anybody who's complaining about the schedule has to probably be revisiting that because if we played like a really tough schedule, this is our first true road game. Like Mohegan Sun was a home game. Like the call of spade is spade. Um, We've set ourselves up pretty well to go eight and three without really proving anything. And going eight and three, going into Biggie's play is a good thing. Um, We can get to nine and two somehow. Wow. Like we're, we're actually exceeding expectations. So I think, I think the schedule actually has worked out perfectly and, this is a good road test. Um, and you just kind of, kind of hope for the best. Yeah. All right. So, so we'll have coverage of that um, with our article on the site. And then, um, you know, we'll have some post game stuff as well. Um, 
But obviously, this TCU game's taking a hit towards towards rivalry week. We coming up with the Friars heading to Kingston on Saturday. Um, I mean, we're not even going to touch it this episode. We might get something out later uh, that, that will touch the game. But I mean, for the Friars, this TCU game is too important to be to be worried about the two and five Rams. In my honest opinion, yeah, they're normally like the week leading up to uh, the PCURI game. There's like a lot of trash talk and things like that. Nobody's even talking about the game at all. Um, I think it's because of how important the TCU game is, but it's also like it's, it's not the URI game is not a big deal. I think everybody, even though it's on the road, everybody thinks we're probably going to roll there. Yeah, I mean, listen, rivalry game will probably be closer than we want it to be. Might even lose. Who knows? But I just think with them being two and five, with TCU, um, with the TCU game being Wednesday, yeah, a lot of sizzle is kind of lost from the game, and I think they're trying, they're trying to kind of rev it up. They did that that thing with Kevin McNamara, Archie Miller, and Ed Cooley the other day, the Zoom for like NIL funding. Um, I, I think they're trying to pump this thing up, but yeah, I mean, I, I just think with Providence showing a Mohegan Sun. And with this big game against TCU, coupled with your eye being two and five under Archie Miller, um, it, yeah, that game is kind of an afterthought for me at this, at least this season. Um, but we'll get to it. Well, I think it's going to take some time for him to build up, uh, build up the program. Um, Archie's a good coach, and I have faith in him that he's going to do a good job. I was just looking at. I'm just curious about like what, how much tickets cost. Uh, I guess on on Ticketmaster, there's still some pretty expensive ones. Yeah, um, I heard. I don't know if that's true, but URI was sell, selling forty dollar tickets on their website. If that's um, Ticketmaster, the cheapest ones I'm seeing are uh, ninety three bucks each. I don't think I'll boots for that one because uh, because a lot of things going on that day. So. Uh, I don't think I'll have boots for it, but let's um let's wrap up though by discussing some of the stuff with Feast Week with the Big East. A rough non-conference so far for the Big East. That you know, a conference that's enjoyed success in the non-conference the past few years. Um, really, you know, I, I thought Creighton showed themselves well in the Maui. Um, yep. They beat Arkansas. Uh, I keep getting Arkansas now, but I'm confused these days. But I got it right. They beat Arkansas in the semifinal. A really good game, really entertaining game. Um, and then, you know, they fought short Arizona. But they showed themselves pretty well, I think. Um, they're definitely going to be that team that, that the people think they're going to be, you know, a team that's yeah. definitely a Final Four contender. Um, Connecticut, on the other hand, you know, they open up their season with, let's face it, a, even softer than Providence's schedule. Um, until they went to the PK-85, where they end up winning the tournament. This year, they, I don't know if this was the first time I did it like this, or this is how it's been, I just wasn't paying attention. But they had multiple different brackets for it. So they had, like, two different tournaments. Yeah. So, you know, UConn ends up defeating an Oregon team. They, they absolutely blew them out. Um, the Oregon team was dealing with injuries. And, of course, UConn fans were like, oh, well, we won. Meanwhile, last year, they're, they're crying and complaining about Sonogo being out. It's funny how that works. Um, but they blow out an undermanned, you know, Oregon team that has struggled this year. Then they face Alabama, and it once again, 
they put on a pretty dominating performance. Alabama does make it close late before UConn pulls away um, and wins by like 10 or 13 or something like that. And then in the final against Iowa State, they just absolutely bullied Iowa State. And Iowa State team that was coming off a win over UNC to open that tournament. Um, so UConn has a strong showing. They're 7-0. They – what are they ranked now? They're top 10 now, right? Yeah, they are uh, – I think they're 8, something like that. I forget what – Yeah, they're 8. And they're 8-0. Pardon me. Um, yeah. But, yeah, but yeah, their schedule is going to get a little tougher too. Um, they, they draw Oklahoma State in this big, big, big East, Big Twelve challenge. Um, so those two teams showed themselves pretty well this week, um, or during feast week, I should say, over Thanksgiving. Um, the Friars probably did not. Uh, I think we can agree on that with the Owen Tumo Egan performance. Um, big one we want to hit on though: the Villanova Wildcats. The Villanova Wildcats are two and five. You heard that right, people. And they go to PK-85 and get swept off the board. Um, and, dude, I I said I'm not afraid. Of, like I've been sending out the home loan gift. I'm not afraid anymore about Villanova. And I'm not afraid anymore. But two and five? Even I didn't expect that. No, I don't think, <laughs> I don't think anybody expected that. Um... The, the Villanova fans on Twitter just don't know what to do with themselves. They are rationalizing. They're saying, you know, at one at one point they're saying you can't be critical of the program. The next game after a loss they're saying it's time to be critical. They just they, This is uncharted waters for them, and they, they don't know what the heck to do. Um, and, you yeah, know, so, I mean, like Whitmore, Whitmore coming back is going to help, but I don't know if it's going to help that much. No, and, and like another thing, with just more, like we've talked about this before on the pod is like, that's such a tough injury to come back. I think to expect him to come back and be good is really unfair. And but also, I mean, also dude, he has to make a business decision. Like yeah. don't, rush, don't rush yourself back. If like, you're coming back to a sub 500 team. Yeah, no, I agree. And I mean, he's the kind of guy that, that's shooting to come back as soon as he can um, from everything I heard. And again, I wish they got the best. I think he's a fantastic player. I just think an Achilles injury that you suffer in March of last year, it's very tough to come back and be effective. And you look at this Nova team, they are two and five with their only wins being by 13 to LaSalle and 10 to Delaware State. Like, they, wow. They're not playing well. They they lose a tough game, I'll admit, against Michigan State on the road. They, They played well that game. But they, you know, they lose to, to Iowa State. So I guess Iowa State beat UNC in the second round. I got that mixed up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, So they beat – and they lose to Iowa State by two in overtime. Against Portland, though, that was the eye-opening game. It reminded me a lot of Dunk City versus Georgetown. I know different stakes, NCAA tournament versus PK-86. But just the vibes I got from that. Like, Portland just draining threes. They, they even posterized uh, a, a guy at one point. Um, and Villanova just has no answer. They clawed back a little bit, but man, like that was eye-opening. And then they well, followed also, it up. Also, like, I'm not being a Nova apologist. Portland, UNC didn't have a big, a great weekend, but Portland almost knocked off UNC. So, like, I think they actually are, like, a kind of legit team. I don't think you should be losing to them as, like, a UNC or Villanova. 
Um, but, but like, is that Portland team as good as say like San Francisco was last year? I, I probably don't think so. I don't think so. Cause I yeah. think they're, I think they're what they already have like two or three losses on the year. Yeah. And then Villanova fall, falls that up um, to, <laughs> to finish off their own demise, their own sweep. They lose to Oregon 74, 67. Uh, I think I think Oregon didn't have many players that were like scholarship players that were even like el- eligible. No, they had six yeah. uh, six available scholarship players. Yeah. So not good. And, and again, we talked about how UConn absolutely buried that team. So yeah, rough stuff for Villanova for sure. Uh, but then you look at the rest of the Big East. I mean, dude, it's a lot of teams have suffered some else. There's one, two. Six teams that at least have three losses on the season right now. A lot, a lot of new coaches. A lot of you know that everybody talks about how great the transfer portal is, and it is great to help build out your roster immediately. But there's a lot of growing pains that come with that too. And like I think a lot of teams are suffering the combination of new coaches, new schemes, new players. Uh, Providence is definitely part of that. Um, I think we should thank our lucky stars that we're five and two right now. If, if we can escape going into the East play at six at eight and three. I, I think we're in an okay place, um, especially because the, the start of our biggies, biggies play is kind of easy. Yeah. Um, yeah, no doubt. Like, yeah, so just a, just a rough week for the biggies. Although you do got uh, St. John's at 7-0. Who, um, who, who was talking about them? <laughs> yeah, you were. I mean, I picked them last year to finish second, and they crap all over themselves. Uh, but – but yeah. again, they, again, they could pull the Paul and go like twelve and zero at a yeah. conference, and, and then, then just suck. yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, and granted, they don't have great wins either. They've beaten Merrimack, Lafayette, Central Connecticut, Nebraska, Temple, who lost, who beat Nova, by the way. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and then they they just had a win over. Excuse me. Before Thanksgiving, they beat Syracuse at Barclays Center. Um, so they won their holiday tournament and then Syracuse, as we all saw, lost to, uh, our, our good friends at Bryant, which slap, by the way, the slap heard around the world. Oh yeah. <laughs> Unbelievable. Doug, Doug, Dougie Edder with just a full up wind up bitch slap. Also, everybody's like bagging on him. He got slapped first, dude. He did. It's funny. You, I watched it probably like, like 10, 15 times. Uh, yeah. And at first, I did not notice the first slap. Mintz kind of played it off pretty well. He just yeah. smacked him and just walked away, minding his, his own business. And then Edder just winds up, gets him right across the face. And then he's got a big guy chasing him. He starts heading for the hill. He was like Derek Fisher. Yeah, I love I love everybody being like, oh, Edder, how do you do that? How can you run away? And then you see like some comments like, did you see the guy chasing after him? I would have ran like hell too, which is like, like everybody's like trying to be such a tough guy on Twitter. And I love the guys that are like, hell, did you see how big that guy was chasing after him? I'd run too. So, yeah. So, so there was a fight in that game and then Brian ends up getting the win. There's no, there's no handshake line. We all know dude, how handshake Jimmy, lines. Jimmy Bayheim can oh, yeah. like go retire, dude. Like, I hate his like getting on, you know, getting on his pedestal and just being like, "Oh, you know, like respect Syracuse, respect me." It's like, dude, just your your time is coming gone. Just retire, dude. That that was the point I was going to get to. Yes, I've ragged on on your uh, on Bryant this year and Grasso and, and Dragon D three teams through the mud and blaming others for playing them, um, but I am taking his side against Jimmy Beheim ten out of ten times. Uh, that was awesome. 
Um, but but Brian just loves they just love the drama, man. They can't escape it. They remind me of like the Detroit Pistons. I could see that. Very Detroit Pistons vibes. Out of Earl, Earl, Earl Timberlake is Big Ben Wallace. Yeah. <laughs> but they just they just love to muck it up. They love to, to cause the drama. So um but yeah, so the biggies having a tough go of it, but long season ahead, we'll see how it goes. Any hey, other thoughts to close the thing out? Yeah, we didn't give our predictions for the TCU game. What are you thinking? I haven't written mine down yet, but I'm going to go. The defense really concerns me. And playing a team that that is guard heavy and that can score, granted their three-point, that, that's news to me. That, that kind of alters my perception here. But I'm going to go with what I originally thought. I think an 80 to 70 L for the Friars. Yeah, I could see it either. I'm ultimately going to I, – I, I can't pick yet. I ultimately had the Friars winning by, like, a couple points. I could also see TCU just blowing them, like, running them out of the gym. Yeah, I, I just think Providence's one shot at this thing is what I alluded to earlier. The fact that's the first road game of the season, yeah. maybe that gives them a new bolt of, of, of energy. Maybe that gives them new life to try and find their identity. Um, so – I think that that's an hope, but you know this TCU team's good. Had they not yeah. lost Northwestern State, they'd be ranked right now. So they'll be they'll be I think at the end of the year contending for um, the Big Twelve title. Honestly, I think. Listen, if we get this win though, season back on. <laughs> oh, for sure, dude! You're like like hang the banners. It's time to roll. Like we're back, baby. <laughs> But then you gotta take care of business in Kingston, though. But but yeah, albeit you do that. Um, you know, you put yourself in a pretty good spot. Um, I guess to wrap up, I'll just shout out Team USA soccer team getting the victory over Iran. They're on to the round of 16, as they call it in soccer, not sweet 16. It's not a sweet 16, just a round of 16. Um, but it's the rest of those guys. pronounced, uh, as one reporter said to Tyler Adams, Iran. He corrected him. Oh, yeah. oh, did I say it wrong? Yeah, dude, oh, boy. Yeah, dude, what a, what a jerk off. Like, uh, I'm about yeah, to. Yeah, it's, it's, it's pronounced they're eliminated. Okay. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So congrats to USA. That's all we got. Uh, We will be back with more content for you all. But until next time, Firetown, see you later. See you guys. PC, you know we on go, ayy Feel like AJ Reeves when I'm off that pick and roll, ayy Fall down, bounce back like Emmy Ho, ayy I'm the alpha dog, Diallo They were sleeping on me, that's what made me a savage And he see me bumping, so we gon' let him have it, yeah They don't want no static, we at the top just like the attic This year we taking over March Madness Man up in my city, I'm the truth, yeah